Section 21 of Captain Cook by Walter Besant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 11. His Death. Part 3. We got our observatories and tents on shore here as usual, and pitched them upon a large oblong piece of ground walled round with stones two or three feet high, which was held sacred by the natives, who notwithstanding their curiosity, so great was their superstition, that none but the chiefs dare venture to come upon it, so that our people were less disturbed by them. The sailmakers were sent on shore with the greatest part of our sails to repair, they being now very much worn, as was our rigging which we carefully overhauled here. We were surrounded every day with a great number of canoes, and supplied by the natives with provisions, in the most plentiful and hospitable manner imaginable the king of the island whose name was teriaboo and several other very powerful chiefs frequently came on board to visit captain cook who always received them with the greatest respect and they generally brought with them a large present of hogs fowls fruit etc for which he gave them in return at different times four or five small iron daggers about two feet and a half long in form of their own wooden ones and made by the armourer for that purpose likewise such other trinkets as they were pleased with what one was most in want of here was good water that which there is being in standing pools and very muddy and brackish except some we got from a small spring in a well at the foot of a rock close to the beach which yielded very little and though it was clear and much better than the other yet was rendered brackish from its being so near the waterside. We purchased not less than ten or twelve puncheons of excellent salt here, which is principally made by the sun, and was the first we met with during the voyage. This proved a very welcome supply, as it enabled us to salt down pork for sea, which otherwise we could not have done, having used all we had on board for that purpose at Otaheite one of our seamen died here whom we interred on shore in one of their burying places captain cook read prayers over him in the usual manner and the natives who were present on the occasion according to their custom threw a couple of small pigs and some fruit into the grave which was covered up with him the latter part of the time we lay in matavai bay and otahaite and at amsterdam one of the friendly islands being five weeks at each we found supplies of all kinds began to grow scarce but that was far from being the case here for everything was as plentiful the last day as when we first came in having got everything off from the shore in the evening about seven o'clock we perceived the house to be on fire that our sailmakers had worked in which we were in general of opinion they did on purpose through some superstitious notion they had among them it being now about the fourth of february and the season approaching after a stay of near a month we sailed from the bay with an intention of going to the westward to those islands we had been at before to take in a supply of yams for sea as they had got none here but in this we were unfortunately prevented for after working up along shore to the northward a considerable distance against a very strong breeze we discovered a spring in the head of our foremast right athwart from one cheek to the other 
which obliged us to put back to Carriacoke Bay to repair it, and having a fair wind for it, we got in next day and moored as before. We immediately began to unrig the ship as far as was necessary, and having raised a pair of shears with two main topmasts, we got out the foremast, which was hauled up upon the beach to be repaired, and the carpenters of both ships were sent on shore for that purpose. The place our tents were pitched upon before, being close to the beach, we set them up again on the same spot for the people who were at work upon the mast, and Mr. King, our lieutenant, was ordered to superintend this duty with a guard of about eight marines for their protection. The observatories were likewise sent on shore with the astronomical instruments, and several of our sails to repair, having split them while we were out. The natives did not appear to receive us this time with that friendship that they had done before. Our quick return seemed to create a kind of jealousy amongst them with respect to our intentions, as fearing we should attempt to settle there and deprive them of part, if not the whole, of their country. This idea Captain Cook took every method to remove by telling and showing them the reason that obliged us to come in again, with which they apparently seemed to be very well satisfied. The third day we had been here in the afternoon, one of the natives on board the Discovery stole a pair of tongs from off the armorer's forge and got into his canoe with them. The alarm being given, several of them began to paddle away as fast as they could. Upon this, the master with a midshipman and two men instantly got into their jolly boat and without any arms pursued the canoe they suspected, which reached the shore long before them and the men had got out and hauled it upon the beach where several others were lying the master and midshipmen landed amongst a great number of the natives and were going to seize one of the canoes when a chief who was present told them that it belonged to him and they should not have it and indeed it is very probable but they mistook the one the man got into who committed the theft either in putting off from the ship among so many or in hauling up but as they still foolishly persisted in attempting to take it away, the chief laid hold of them and gave them a severe beating with his hands, which the two men who remained in the jolly boat perceiving they rowed off to a little distance and got clear. Our pinnace that was lying not far off waiting for Captain Cook, with only the crew in her, who, seeing the affair, went without any orders to their assistance. But as soon as they came near the shore, the natives laid hold of the boat and hauled her up high and dry upon the beach and broke some of the oars, which obliged the crew to take to the water and swim to the jolly boat, the Indians at the same time pelting them with stones. In a little time they were quiet and called to the people in the boat to come on shore and that they would let them have the pinnace, which they did with the oars that remained, and likewise released the master and midshipmen. About an hour afterwards, Captain Cook, hearing of the quarrel, was very angry, and gave our people a severe reprimand for their rashness. He walked round with one of the officers to the place where it happened, and found everything there very peaceable. The next morning, which was the 14th of February, 1779, at daylight, the Discovery found her six-oared cutter missing that had been moored at the buoy which we immediately supposed to have been stolen by the natives in consequence of the above quarrel. 
when captain cook was informed of it he ordered a boat from each ship well armed to row off the mouth of the bay to prevent the canoes from going out and if any attempt it to seize and send them in again at the same time proposed to captain clark for him to go on shore and endeavour to persuade the king to come on board that we might confine him till the boat was returned according to his usual custom in these cases but he seemed to express a desire to decline it on account of his health captain cook said no more about the matter but went himself with three boats namely a six-oared pinnace in which he had with him a mate the lieutenant of marines and some of his men a six-oared launch with the third lieutenant a mate some marines and a few additional seamen and a four-oared cutter with a mate and the midshipmen that rowed her being in all including the crews of the launch and the pinnace about thirty-eight people with each a musket a cutlass and cartridge boxes having landed at the town on the north side of the bay with a lieutenant of marines a sergeant corporal and seven private men he ordered the boats with the rest of the people to lie off a little distance and wait for him he then proceeded with the marines under arms up to the king's house which was about two hundred yards from the water-side where he found him with several chiefs and not less than two or three thousand of the natives after the usual ceremonies had passed the captain invited him to come on board which at first he absolutely refused but after being pressed for some time he seemed inclinable to consent and it was thought he would have come had he not been prevented by the chiefs who would not permit him as in all probability they saw into the design this enraged captain cook very much as he was not accustomed to have his intentions frustrated by any person and had but little command over himself and his anger at this instant a canoe came over from the other side of the bay and brought the natives intelligence that a chief was killed there by one of our boats firing on shore upon this they began to arm themselves with spears and pieces of the branches of trees that they broke up in a hurry instead of clubs and some of the chiefs had the same iron daggers that we had given them the captain had with him a double-barrelled piece one loaded with small shot the other with ball and a hanger by his side they now began to press together and grew rather tumultuous and some in particular insulting him he beat them with the butt-end of his musket which caused them to be still more so mr phillips the lieutenant of marines perceiving this repeatedly told captain cook of the danger he apprehended they were in and urged him to retire which as if fate had determined he should fall he took not the least notice of but fired at one of them with small shot and wounded him and a little afterwards at a chief with ball but missing him killed the man that stood next to him outright and although this enraged them to the highest degree yet they then did not dare to attack him at last finding it was impossible to accomplish his design he ordered the marines to retreat and was himself following them and possibly would have got safe off had not the people in the boats very unfortunately on hearing the second report of his musket begun to fire upon the natives which threw them into a state of fury the marines likewise on shore without orders followed their example and captain cook had no sooner got to the waterside 
and waved to the boats to give over firing when one of the chiefs more daring than the rest stepped behind and stabbed him betwixt the shoulders with an iron dagger another at that instant gave him a blow with a club on the head by which he fell into the water they immediately leaped in after him and kept him under for a few minutes then hauled him out upon the rocks and beat his head against them several times so that there is no doubt that he quickly expired the marines likewise at the same time after they had discharged their pieces were closely attacked and not being able to load again the corporal and three private men that could not swim were seized and killed upon the spot the lieutenant sergeant and the other four leaped into the water which was four or five feet deep close to the rocks and escaped to the pinnace which was lying within thirty yards of the shore but by reason of the continual showers of stones that were thrown at them and the confusion of those people getting in they could not afford the least assistance to captain cook and very narrowly escaped from being taken the launch that lay close without her and the cutter that was in shore at a little distance both kept up a brisk fire for the space of ten or fifteen minutes till they were obliged to retire having killed and wounded several of the natives and caused the greatest part of them to retreat and we were informed by the gentlemen in the cutter who were the last that left the shore that very few of them remained by the dead bodies when the launch and pinnace came away during the firing on shore we saw a great number of the natives running away up an adjacent hill at whom we fired five or six shot from our great guns but our first lieutenant would not allow of any more when on the return of the boats informing us of the captain's death a general silence ensued throughout the ship for the space of nearly half an hour it appearing to us somewhat like a dream that we could not reconcile ourselves to for some time grief was visible in every countenance some expressing it by tears and others by a kind of gloomy dejection more easily to be conceived than described for as our hopes centred in him our loss became irreparable and the sense of it was so deeply impressed upon our minds as not to be forgot such was the confusion of the people when they came on board that they did not perceive till a quarter of an hour afterwards how many of the marines were missing mr phillips the lieutenant who behaved with great prudence and courage received a large wound upon his shoulder by a spear and one of the private men was wounded in his cheek close below his eye two inches and a half of the point of a spear having broken short off and was buried in his head the others had several bruises from the stones that were thrown at them but suffered no hurt of any consequence during this our people on the south side of the bay under the direction of mr king the second lieutenant were very fortunately reinforced by some of our boat's crew that had been rowing off the mouth of the bay before any disturbance had begun there being then altogether about twenty-four in number though not above two-thirds of them had muskets on perceiving they were likely to be attacked they took possession of a burying place that lay near them which was a large platform of earth thrown up and fenced with stones being about a hundred and fifty yards in length sixty in breadth and the sides six or eight feet perpendicular all round except a small passage where not more than two people could go up abreast 
nothing could be more conveniently situated than this place as from thence they could not only protect the masts tents and observatories which lay between them and the beach and within less than a musket-shot but were secure from an encounter that they would not have been able to resist the natives did not venture either to make an open effort to force them from their post or to come near the tents but kept up a distant and vigorous attack by heaving a great number of stones from behind the trees and houses which lay behind them by creeping along under cover of these walls they were able to approach very close to the platform without being seen and when they thought themselves near enough would stand up and heave several stones and then retire for more this they continued for some time and when any of them fell another of them would step forth and carry off the body at the risk of his own life these indians use a large thick mat which they hold before them by way of a shield against their own wooden spears and at the beginning of the attack several of them came to the edge of a pool within reach of the shot to dip them in the water and then would hold them up in defiance thinking by that means to quench the fire of the musket by which they supposed they were killed but in that point we quickly undeceived them the discovery lying nearest over to this side fired several shot on shore which terrified them very much after two or three hours they retired with the loss of six or eight killed and some wounded finding it vain to carry on anything further against our people in their present situation and thinking i suppose by that means to draw them from it but they wisely kept possession of their post about two hours after the death of captain cook we went with all the boats from both ships well manned and armed and brought them off with the mast and everything else we had on shore very safe the natives not daring to molest us the remainder of the forenoon we were employed in getting the mast upon the booms for the carpenters to work at they having done very little to it as yet captain clark now came on board and took the command of the resolution and appointed mr gore our first lieutenant to that of the discovery and mr harvey one of the mates to be lieutenant in his room in the afternoon notwithstanding what had passed two of the natives from the town on the north side of the bay had courage to come alongside which was placing great confidence in us and proves the high opinion they entertain of our integrity one of them was a priest whom we had often before known to have behaved very treacherously therefore supposed in the present case that he had no good intentions toward us and so highly were our people exasperated at the sight that it was with great difficulty the officers could prevent their firing at him after staying about a quarter of an hour he returned to the shore and continued to make these short visits on board every forenoon and afternoon for three or four days afterwards which i believe was to see whether or not we were making any further preparations against them mr king now our first lieutenant was sent off to the town on the north side with all our boats well manned and armed to treat with the natives for the bodies carrying a white flag as a signal of peace for that purpose they were assembled along the shore in great numbers with their weapons in their hands and bidding us defiance in the most contemptuous manner imaginable for they seemed to pride themselves very much in having killed our principal chief but from what we afterwards learnt they had very little reason having lost not less than eight or ten chiefs 
and about twenty common men besides several wounded amongst whom chanced to be the greatest part of those who assisted in the murder of our people they strove much to persuade us to land but without effect one of them was dressed in captain cook's jacket and trousers and another had his hanger in his hand which he kept shaking at us and making use of every threatening and insolent gesture he could possibly invent this enraged the sailors to the highest degree and it was with the utmost difficulty they were restrained from firing upon them finding we would not come any nearer two of them ventured to swim off to us whom we informed that we had no intentions of making an attack but came only to demand the bodies which to amuse us for the present they said were carried away some distance into the country that we could not have them then but promised to bring them off to us in the morning therefore perceiving they were not to be procured at that time the boats returned on board we were rather apprehensive that they intended to make an attack upon the ships in the night therefore took every necessary precaution to prevent being surprised by keeping our guns and swivels loaded and sentry forward abaft and on each gangway one-third of the people always under arms and a four-oared cutter well armed constantly rowing round us at a little distance while it was dark which both ships continued to do during our stay here End of section twenty one